I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. We, the people, are the range. It's noon for Thursday, April 29th, 2021. Follow the podcast. And by that, I mean see all of the things that I post throughout the day. Articles, little thoughts, links, all sorts of things. On the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. And you can follow the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab at I'm your moderator and eventually on Frank Speech at Chris Paul. The merch site that is half operational right now is www.cancelcotour.com. Today is the 99th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party to the point where last night he began his speech with a reference to that potentially not even legitimate idea that crisis and opportunity are two sides of the same coin in the Chinese rendering of the concept. And that is an idea that is often used at high school graduation speeches which is essentially what we got in terms of the intellectual content on display last night from the fake president of the United States, Joe Biden. He also bragged about how he spent so much time with China's President Xi that he has traveled like 17,000 miles with him. Uh, Congratulations, Joe. Joe Biden is also the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history. So it should be no surprise that he is imploring his stormtroopers, the corrupt FBI, to raid Rudy Giuliani's home in Manhattan in search of anything that might be evidence of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's own corruption in Ukraine and elsewhere and whatever is underlying that, which is probably Uranium One. And of course, he is also the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth, Professor Hunter Biden. So congratulations, communists. You get to pretend that the country actually liked the speech last night based on a poll of nearly a 1,000 people where only 169 of them were Republicans. So I guess... That is how math and evidence normally work for you guys. I guess it's working again. Except for the fact that anyone who actually thinks about this or looks at anything will realize that the nation hated that speech and that the vast majority of Americans are completely embarrassed by this decrepit old child-sniffing creep who usurped the presidency of the United States and is now pretending to represent the country. A warm Thursday welcome 
to all of the redeemable communists out there who may have watched that speech last night and thought, oh, yeah, maybe Chris Paul's onto something. This really doesn't seem right. There are a bunch of old weirdos in masks, even though all of them have been vaccinated and even though all of them are at least 10 feet apart from one another. Why are they doing this? Hey, why are people falling asleep? Why are Democrats reading their pocket constitutions and messing with their cell phones while the fake president is speaking? Those are things I thought, too. But I, unlike you members of the party of false decorum, understand that what I saw is not something that I should just brush off and ignore like, yeah, well, fine. We all know he's not a great speaker, but whatever. No, that's not what's happening, commies. You need to understand what is happening. You need to understand that that man or whoever's in that position, if it's a woman at some point, that person is meant to be a symbol of American strength and resolve to the rest of the world, and it was anything but that. Last night's speech was an utter embarrassment. Joe Biden does not have ideas. Yes, he read through almost the entire speech. It was still embarrassing at many different points. That's undeniable. But there was nothing of substance in there. He basically took credit for a bunch of things that President Trump did, like getting the vaccines out. Setting the economy back on the right path after Democrats destroyed the economy using COVID as a cover for it. He talked about buying American, which is, again, a Trump policy that Biden has never talked about. Or, I mean, he talks about it sometimes while he's making deals with China so that we can buy Chinese. He tries to talk tough about Russia without actually outlining any threat posed by Russia. Although he did allude to the fact that they interfered in our election, which means that he is admitting to the American public that there was foreign interference in our election. And of course, We've already heard about the foreign interference from Iran, both before the election and on Election Day. So really, the only foreign interference he's not discussing is the most important one, and that's the Chinese interference. And he will never discuss that because Joe Biden is overwhelmingly compromised by China. Now, I saw from a lot of people online last night and today that they couldn't bear to watch the speech. And, okay, I get it. It's not fun to watch. It's boring. The guy's an idiot and a liar. But you still got to watch it, all right, if you're in the fight. If you're not, I mean, if all of this is just entertainment for you, that's fine. Choose your entertainment when you want to involve yourself with it and when you don't. But if you understand the threat here, if you understand what the country is up against right now, it behooves you to watch the source material. Like if you're going to discuss the Biden speech or Mike Lindell's appearance on Jimmy Kimmel, just watch them. It doesn't make any sense to read articles about them 
or to watch coverage on CNN or Fox where they show you little clips. Those little clips are selected for a reason. When CNN and MSNBC select clips from Joe Biden's speeches, it's not like they show you how bad Joe Biden is. They're going to pull out the little clips that help their narrative. And that's it. And you might say, hey, you're only going to pull out the clips that help your narrative. And I might agree with you on some level. I will do that because of time constraints. I'd also be happy to completely watch the speech live and critique it as I go along. But if I did that, the hour and 10 minute speech would be probably two and a half hours of a be reasonable episode. That's why I don't do it. Also, the mainstream media already gives you the best version of the propaganda case. Will I appear more objective if I say, you know what? It's really great that Joe Biden said to buy American. I mean, obviously, it's great that anybody says buy American. We all should buy American. Do I think Joe Biden really believes that? No, of course not. So do I need to play the clip and then explain it? Maybe I do. You guys can tell me. And then it was the same thing with the Lindell speech. You know, all the communist news outlets said that Mike Lindell made a fool of himself and that he was humiliated and blah, blah, blah. That's not the case. Just watch the thing. It's 10 minutes long. It probably takes you just as long to search through three articles, finding out whether or not that take is actually right. When you can just watch the thing and feel how you feel. If you feel like Mike Lindell was humiliated after watching it, then fine, that's what you think. You don't need to change your opinions unless someone actually argues you into a new position. It's not like you have to go along with the mainstream narrative. You read an article on CNN that says Lindell was humiliated, and then you're like, nah, I'm not going to watch the speech. I'll just take CNN's word for it. That's the part I don't get. Like, I, what they're doing is trying to make you unhappy so that you won't watch and you won't see for yourself. And then next time some dumb commie comes up and says, oh, Lindell was such a fool and blah, blah, blah. You're just like, oh, yeah, okay. It makes you meek. You're accepting the story on their terms. You don't need to do that. Watch the video, and then you have everything on your terms. Your thoughts matter, okay? You don't delegate your thinking, especially not your moral thinking, to anyone else. Form your own opinion, and then you can listen to other opinions, see if they have any validity to them, but what do you have to measure anything against if you don't actually view the source material? Same thing with the, the speech last night. I don't know what that speech was except a detailed list of the trillions of dollars Joe Biden wants to spend to make this country more like China. But I'm glad I watched it. It wasn't fun. But if I'm going to come talk about it on here, imagine that I came to this show every day and the only stuff I talked about was an opinion that was delivered to me from someone else. It would be pointless. I would be doing the same thing that all the pundits on CNN are there doing. They're choosing one little thing and then trying to add that to their narrative. For instance, 
Is CNN showing you this clip? We can't stop now. We're in competition with China and other countries to win the 21st century. We're at a great inflection point in history. We have to do more than just build back better. The build back, we have to build back better. And they probably also didn't tell you about when he was confused about the hard choice Americans need to make between a job and a paycheck. (laughs) And they very likely did not tell you about the part of the speech where Joe Biden was bragging that he's talked to 38 or even 40 world leaders and that the question they consistently ask him is, okay, we can see America is back, but for how long? Now, that was almost a throwaway line in the speech, but I want to focus on it for just a second, and I can tell you how I heard that line and how I think that they meant that line, but I think that the fact that that line was included at all is telling of something very different that people in Joe Biden's position and the people who wrote this speech simply don't understand. And remember, these people are very, very stupid. And they think everyone else is very, very stupid too, so that we don't see them or hear them. They think that they just get away with all of this all the time, which is why they keep doing it. And it's also why their plans keep failing. Again, I know that I hammer this point fairly consistently. But if their program was working, it would have worked. Six months later, we would not be talking about election fraud and about to have it proven to the entire nation through a forensic audit. We would not be here, right? They are used to doing the media story, saturating the entire country with the same agenda, the same slogans, all of it. They want everybody to believe the same thing, and they want not believing that thing to be embarrassing, right? They want you to lose social capital by having certain beliefs. And when that doesn't work, when the social capital equation no longer works for them, that's when they start to censor. That's when they start to use force. And we can see them in that stage because they have lost all of these narratives. And so the lines in these speeches are just ignored and immediately forgotten. No one pays attention because, I mean, Biden voters are not watching this. The 55 million people that voted for Joe Biden were not watching that speech last night. The numbers across all the different platforms that were showing it were extremely low. And a lot of the people watching that terrible speech were on our team. You can look at the likes and dislikes on YouTube. And this is why YouTube wants to take the likes and dislikes down. Because it's at least two to one on every one of the accounts. And of course, favoring the dislikes. But back to this line. Joe Biden said that leaders from other countries were saying, we can see America is back, but for how long? Now, part of that, I imagine, is that leaders from other countries aren't as stupid as the people who write Joe Biden's speeches and who watch CNN. Leaders from other countries understand 
that the American election is under a forensic audit right now. They understand that Donald Trump never conceded. They understand that Donald Trump wasn't at the inauguration and that the inauguration wasn't even real. And you can understand that by just watching it. I'm not saying that no one inaugurated Joe Biden at any point fraudulently, of course. But the inauguration you saw on television was a staged event. They very likely also know more about what Trump is doing at this point. And they know what plans Trump discussed with them prior to the election. So they have a whole lot of information that people at CNN don't have. That the rock dumb child brained communists around the country who voted for and are supporting Joe Biden don't have. And they have a lot of information that no one in Joe Biden's fake usurper administration has. So when they say the words, oh, yeah, I can see uh, you say America's back. I can see America's back. But for how long? They might be asking an entirely different question there. And who knows what Joe Biden was even admitting by saying that? I mean, Joe Biden is there telling us that democracy has won. And they're busy trying to put H.R. 1 in and all sorts of other bills so that their power can never be questioned and never be limited. So what doubt would there be in the mind of Joe Biden if Joe Biden actually embodies what we're meant to believe about Joe Biden? What doubt would there be about how long America would be around? And so when a foreign leader asks him that, what would he think from his perspective? What would that mean? Because if Joe Biden represents America being back, then questioning for how long would pretty much be a clear admission that he doesn't have the power of the people on his side. And with the policies he's implementing and the debt he's driving us into, America's position grows weaker by the day. So they're either questioning his legitimacy by saying that, or they're just outright taunting him. Or perhaps they're just not sure how long he's going to survive. And then what about the first part of that statement, that America is back? America certainly isn't a more powerful force in the world than it was a year ago. There's no question about that. The China virus and the way the Democrats have handled it The publicization of this invented racial strife, the fake election, all of that has diminished America's strength in the world. So there's certainly no world leader who believes that America is back in a powerful way because it's led by Joe Biden. The only people who might think that are people who are also in the same global communism CCP agenda the Davos people, other countries that have accepted that as the future, that are willing to give up the freedom of their own people so that people at the top can be kings and that everyone else just feeds into their system. So what sort of leader 
around the world would believe that America is back. Only one that is happy to have America back in the fold of the global communist agenda. And I know that that sounds conspiratorial, but it isn't. They tell us what the agenda is. The World Economic Forum has no compunction about explaining the Great Reset to everyone. The Great Reset isn't a conspiracy theory. It's just real. They tell you what they want to do. They write out the plans so you can see them. And they just expect no one's ever going to read anything or that they can tell you it's a conspiracy and you'll believe them. And that's how they've gone along for decades. So, of course, they don't give a shit that you might find out. They'll tell you. They think you can't stop it. And truthfully, they all believe that they are actually building a better world. It just happens to be one where people don't have any legitimate freedom and the government can control what you do and what you think. Joe Biden is trying to make America China. So any country that thinks America is back means that they agree that America is rejoining the global communist agenda. And so for how long in that context means something entirely different. It means, okay, well, we can see that you now are the figurehead of this country, but the truth is you didn't get elected legally and everybody knows it. The citizenry is not on your side at all, no matter what kind of fake polls you put out in the media. And you still have Donald Trump there ready to destroy you at a moment's notice. So, okay, Joe, you say you're back. How tenuous is your position? And the truth is, it's very tenuous. And it's funny to me how often the Democrat Communist Party uses this rhetorical trick. They basically imply a position of weakness that means what we must do to strengthen ourselves in this area is exactly what we've been telling you. So the prescription is we need more of this. That's what he's telling the American public and everyone on his side wants to feel like, oh yeah, we're not there yet. We need to be even harsher against these Trump supporting fellow Americans. We need to make their lives way worse. We need to make sure they wear masks, make sure that their kids can't go to school. Let's put them on lists. Let's not allow them to travel. Let's not allow them to have jobs. That's what we need. And that was what Joe Biden was reinforcing last night. And if you think I'm overboard by saying that, Joe Biden was literally attacking half the country last night. He said... That what happened on January 6th at the Capitol was the worst attack on our country since the Civil War. Pearl Harbor didn't happen. 9-11 didn't happen. And that wasn't the end of it. He then talked about chasing bin Laden to the gates of hell. While leaving out the fact that he personally was discouraging Barack Obama from actually approving the operation that went and got bin Laden. So if anyone listened to Joe Biden's judgment, and thank goodness they do not, Osama bin Laden would still be alive. 
But then Joe Biden said the biggest threat to America was not ISIS or anything like that. The biggest threat to America is white supremacy, domestic terrorism. And from everything that his usurper regime has said, and from everything that the media has said, and from all the actions of the tech companies, etc., you know who he means with that. Anyone who voted for Donald Trump. Now, Joe Biden, let's remember, was politically mentored by a man named Robert Byrd. Robert Byrd was a grand Kliegel and exalted Cyclops in the KKK. It's not a joke. It's not a conspiracy. It's not a rumor. It's real. Joe Biden gave the eulogy at Robert Byrd's funeral. Who else did Robert Byrd mentor? Hillary Clinton. If there is a legacy of white supremacy in this country, that legacy is fully owned by the Democrat Party and specifically by Joe Biden. The fact that he even has the temerity to go up there and say that, knowing who he is, is a disgrace. I mean, listen, everything about Joe Biden pretending to be president of the United States is a disgrace. It is an embarrassment to all of us, and it puts our country in extreme threat every single day. The man is literally compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. He has compromised all over the world because he has been selling out American foreign policy to our adversaries for decades. Let's stop pretending that this is just some some nice, harmless man. And Joe Biden also isn't the genius mob boss either. Joe Biden is basically the head of a mafia family who takes his orders from someone else. Because he's too dumb to lead on his own. He has always been too dumb to lead on his own, which is why he was never put in a position of leadership until Barack Obama came along. So this fake uniter that was thrust upon us is nothing of the sort. That speech was incredibly divisive. He basically reinforced the idea to all of the communists who voted for him that they are these morally righteous people and that everyone else is stupid and evil. And then he proceeded to list policies that will make America actually a stupid and evil country. Masking is evil. Making children wear masks and think that everyone else who doesn't is dangerous, that's evil. Wanting to take a child from three years old to 20 or 22 and have their brains filled with state propaganda for that entire time is not putting America at a competitive edge. Education, in quotes, isn't necessarily education. Putting someone in a classroom for 18 years of their lives and having the same messages, false messages, I might add, 
forced into their brains repeatedly. That's not education. They're not raising a generation of free and innovative thinkers. They're doing exactly the opposite. There is no competitive edge to be gained here. If China's system worked so well, they wouldn't need to be stealing our technology and our innovation and trying to buy and corrupt all our talent. And so much of our intellectual talent has been bought and corrupted by the Chinese. You know, like, look at a science department at any of these research universities. They get to continue their work based on funding. And so if they want to do more work, they need more funding. If they need more funding, where do they go? Oh, well, the Chinese Communist Party has an open checkbook. They're happy to deliver the money to the universities. As long as the work benefits them. So they do it. And then all of a sudden, a whole science department is completely compromised. And that's how we get things like the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. And so I'll probably think of more things to say about the speech in the coming days, but I'm going to get off the topic. Last night, according to the networks, 11.6 million people watched Joe Biden's speech. That was 30% more than watched the Oscars. That's because there were actually Trump supporters watching Joe Biden's speech because we want to know what we're up against and we want to view the source material rather than listening to what CNN has to say about it. But again, that's an embarrassingly low number. The country does not care and the country has tuned out, which is also on some level unfortunate. You would think that all these communists would actually want to know what their leader says, but apparently that's not important to them. All they need to do is follow the narrative long enough to get through the election and to not be scared once they've realized that the election was stolen. And most of them have. Whether or not they admit it is a different story. But I don't think anybody actually believes that. Now, Disclose TV on Twitter noted that Trump's first State of the Union got 48 million viewers. That's four times as many people. 48 million is a massive chunk of this country. 11.6 million is not. Trump's lowest State of the Union was 37 million. So that's still more than three times Joe's speech last night. And as the thing dragged on, it was clear that Biden was struggling more and more to get all of the words out and apply the proper meaning. He actually almost ventured off script a couple of times, and that would have been a disaster. But at the end of the speech, this was just such a perfect moment to encapsulate exactly what these people are all about. Joe Biden was about to walk away from the microphone, and Nancy Pelosi got his attention and reminded him to put on his mask. And if that sounds like something that didn't happen, just go watch the video. You can see her. 
She points down to it and tells him to put it on and then covers her face up with her own hands like, hey, mask. Remember? Remember, guy? Mask? Yeah, we know you've been vaccinated, but the point is that everyone in here has to show the fact that they are still wearing masks. And the Best Mask of the Night award goes to Ted Cruz. And while Joe Biden was talking about how we needed to come get everybody's guns, they flashed to Ted Cruz, who was mostly awake at that point, although he did fall asleep later. And his mask said, come and take it. So that was pretty hilarious. Just good timing. Now, after Biden's speech was over, Tim Scott gave the response. And Tim Scott is about as milk toast rhino as you can get, which is really unfortunate because he was having some really good moments last year. And I expected legitimately good things from him. And there were some good things in his speech. I'm not going to say it was all bad. It just wasn't good. Like there was nothing in that speech that appeals to any of Trump's base of support. Yes, it's better than Biden. Yes, it's better than Mitt Romney. But it's not good. One of the best parts of it was where Tim Scott said that America is not a racist country. And I thank him for doing that and honor him for doing that. That was important. It's great that he said that. He actually said that he himself had experience with discrimination unlike Joe Biden, who is a discriminator. And he said he's been called the N-word and he's been called Uncle Tom on Twitter and they don't take it down. And sure enough, right after his speech ended and still today, Uncle Tim was trending. So it's totally okay for the Democrat Communist Party and its supporters to throw racial epithets at Tim Scott, a black man. But it's not okay for anyone on our side to talk about how Black Lives Matter is really just a front for dark money fundraising, an organization entirely devoted to racial division in service of a communist agenda, and is legitimately led by Marxists. Their supporters in the media exist only to justify all of the heinous actions that that organization was responsible for in the past year. So pointing out the truth about Black Lives Matter is racist. But calling Tim Scott Uncle Tim is just fine, especially according to Twitter. And, you know, I understand that in mainstream politics, most politicians aren't going to fully represent the point of view that I think they should or that we think they should, but they should represent enough of the aspects of it. The Tim Scott speech we saw last night is not the speech that Josh Hawley would have given or that Ted Cruz would have given. It was very mild. It was very bland. This brand of establishment republicanism always just makes weak statements saying that America isn't a place of socialist dreams. Well, 
actually, this is the closest America has ever been to that. And establishment Republicans are a big part of the reason why. Tim Scott Republicanism is dead. And you get Kevin McCarthy and Lindsey Graham coming out after talking about how Tim Scott would be a candidate for president. And honestly, this time last year, I thought Tim Scott might be a viable candidate for president in 2024. But the course of events has changed and we've seen a lot more about who Tim Scott is. The idea that this audit is happening right now and that the Republican establishment ignores it shows their complicity in all of this. They know that election fraud is real and they might ignore the issue completely. But that doesn't mean that they don't know it exists. Why aren't any of them planning for a future where the entire country knows for a fact that they were lied to and deceived by all of these leaders? Not mentioning that and having failed to stand up to it on January 6th will render all of these people useless. It just makes Tim Scott look like he's corrupt and that he himself has been compromised. Either that or that he's so thirsty for power that he's happy to play the game. And the point is, none of us want people who are happy to play the game. Those days are over. Now, luckily, Tim Scott actually did bring up the crisis at the border, which Joe Biden just ignored completely. Joe Biden talked about his friendly immigration policies and dreamers, you know, the DACA dreamers. That is what he thinks is the most important aspect of the immigration situation right now. That's crazy. It's either crazy or completely negligent. Are we to assume that he doesn't know these things? And maybe he doesn't, by the way. Who knows how much information Joe Biden actually receives on a given day? It might be none, okay? There is a realistic possibility that Joe Biden isn't involved in any of these decisions and that he really just does go out there and say the thing he's supposed to say. That's entirely possible. But not addressing the humanitarian crisis at the border that he created is crazy. He actually tried to say last night that the Obama administration had put us in a great position regarding immigration and that the last four years halted their progress and that's why we have this problem now. Is anyone watching that and believing that? Maybe Democrat communists are. I don't imagine the rest of the country is. And now I want to talk a little bit about Mike Lindell's appearance on Jimmy Kimmel. It was exactly what you would think it would be. Jimmy Kimmel tried to be the nice, affable guy while at the same time trying to just stick daggers into Mike Lindell. He brought up the drug thing, which is fine. Lindell brings up the drug thing himself. He even brought his autobiography about his addiction 
out to give to Jimmy Kimmel. And Jimmy Kimmel said he had already read it. But Jimmy Kimmel then immediately compared him to Hunter Biden and said, you know, one thing that you guys have both mentioned is your paranoia. How do you know you're not being paranoid at this stage? And that is pretty insulting. But he didn't just leave it there. He tried to paint Lindell as a crazy person for even believing any of this. And, you know, Mike Lindell's a big boy. He can handle himself. He did all right. I don't think it was a great appearance, but it wasn't bad. I think that probably some of the people in the audience were interested in what he had to say. And then, of course, Jimmy Kimmel brings out a Lindell impersonator at the end. And the impersonation's fine. It's not that the guy did his job badly, but you're just trying to make this guy look like a clown. Why not listen to the things he has to say? You know, Jimmy Kimmel mentioned the audit that's happening in Arizona. And he said, oh, yeah, well, that's ridiculous and blah, blah, blah. Like, Jimmy Kimmel doesn't know anything about that audit. He clearly doesn't know anything about that audit. Jimmy Kimmel probably gets his audit information from Rachel Maddow. And so he went along with the same thing. Oh, the cyber ninjas. Yeah, they're just this silly group. This can't actually go anywhere, but it can go somewhere. And the fact that Jimmy Kimmel doesn't know that means he shouldn't be having the conversation. And so, of course, he brought up the statement from CISA, which is interesting because he didn't mention Chris Krebs. He said a U.S. government agency said that this was the most secure election in, in history. And he actually asked Mike Lindell if he knew what IP meant which is internet protocol. But I doubt Jimmy Kimmel knows what CISA is, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. But he brought that up, and all of the commies in Jimmy Kimmel's position all think that this is some very airtight statement about how the election went. Now, I'm going to read this statement because I've talked about it a bunch of times, but I haven't read it since probably back when it came out. But this statement came out on November 12th, 2020. Okay, this is nine days after the end of the election. And we already know that they say there's Russian interference. People in the Trump administration announced to the public that there was Iranian interference and so already the statement that this was the most secure election in history is a provable lie. So here's the statement. The November 3rd election was the most secure in American history. Right now, across the country, election officials are reviewing and double-checking the entire election process prior to finalizing the result. Not true. When states have close elections, many will recount ballots. All of the states with close results in the 2020 presidential race have paper records of each vote, allowing the ability to go back and count each ballot if necessary. Again, not accurate. This is an added benefit for security and resilience. This process allows for the identification and correction of any mistakes or errors. There is no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or was in any way compromised. Again, they put that statement in bold. This is what they really mean. These 10 people at CISA. And by the way, this statement is called a joint statement from Elections Infrastructure Government Coordinating Council and the Election Infrastructure Sector Coordinating Executive Committees. 
right? So there are 10 people from these different committees. This is the statement that they are signing their names to. Okay, first of all, a recount of ballots is not the same as a forensic audit at all. Then he says they have paper records of each vote. Knowing how the machines work, that is a misleading statement. What the American people understand from that statement is that their paper ballot is preserved. The actual vote that they wrote down and cast is preserved. What happens in the machines is that they can force these ballots to adjudication. When they go in to adjudication, they can adjudicate an entire batch. They can say all of these ballots are actually Biden votes. And then what the machine does is it produces a new paper ballot with this new vote on it. And then that is the ballot that is preserved for the recounts. In Fulton County, I think the number was 94% of the ballots went to adjudication. Why? What's the answer for that? Well, there is no answer other than either the system doesn't work at all, in which case we shouldn't trust any of its numbers, or people were cheating. And of course, it's the second one. That's why the recount is pointless, because what they are recounting are ballots with the cheating already built in. And then the statement says this process allows for the identification and correction of any mistakes or errors. But that's not what it does, because they didn't really correct any of these errors. And then in the locations where they did find errors and corrected them, they blamed those errors on human error, on oversights, on simple mistakes. Someone just got something wrong. They weren't system-wide problems, according to these people, but they were system-wide problems. And when you say there is no evidence that voting systems deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or were in any way compromised, that's an easy statement to make when you haven't looked at the evidence and you're only nine days out and the evidence is still being built. Back to the statement. Other security measures like pre-election testing state certification of voting equipment, and the U.S. Election Assistance Commission's certification of voting equipment helped to build additional confidence in the voting systems used in 2020. Again, that's wrong. Those systems build no confidence in the voting system used in 2020 because we know how the state certification boards work. We know how the county boards of supervisors have worked. We know how the secretaries of state have worked. We know that the courts have not viewed the evidence. And when they have, they have sided with the Trump campaign. We know all those things now. So sorry, but throwing out these names like pre-election testing, that doesn't mean anything. We know that the machines were altered between the testing and the actual voting. Some of them were altered on the night before the election. There is so much illegal activity here that this statement now 
in retrospect, looks comical. And then here's the final part of it. While we know there are many unfounded claims and opportunities for misinformation about the process of our elections, we can assure you we have the utmost confidence in the security and integrity of our elections, and you should too. When you have questions, turn to election officials as trusted voices as they administer elections. Oh, so that's it. Everybody's doubts are ridiculous. There is no evidence that there were any problems. And ultimately, what you need to do is listen to us. Now, are we going to provide evidence for you that nothing was wrong? Of course not. Because that's not our role. We're here to rubber stamp everything that the system has decided. So that the American people actually have no choice and no recourse. That's what this CISA statement is here for. Chris Krebs was fired after this. Chris Krebs has testified before the Senate and looked like a fool while doing so. You can go back and watch it. I talked about it in one of these episodes. I don't remember how long ago, but it was either the day of or the day after he testified. So once again, relying on the idea that government officials said this was the most secure election in history doesn't get us anywhere. And Jimmy Kimmel doesn't seem to know anything beyond that. He said that all of these claims have been reviewed. No, they haven't. And I wish Lindell was a bit more combative and was more interested in probing the things that Jimmy Kimmel was saying rather than trying to just get out his position. I think that would have been a lot more interesting for people to watch. But, you know, maybe it's a missed opportunity. Mike Lindell is doing great things out in the world, and I'm not trying to insult him in any way. But he's not the best voice in these conversations. And there was very little in there that anyone who wants to still believe that the election was totally secure would be forced to take pause on and reconsider. And that's the unfortunate part. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, Rudy Giuliani's place was raided yesterday by the FBI and his attorney, Robert Costello, has put out a statement today. So I'm going to read that statement for you. The Biden Department of Justice has completely ignored clear evidence, which the FBI has had for over a year in texts and emails on Hunter Biden's hard drive of failing to register numerous times as a foreign agent, child pornography, money laundering, and 30 years of the Biden crime family taking millions and millions in bribes to sell his public offices. Instead, the Justice Department decided it was a higher priority to serve, at dawn, search warrants for electronics at the home and law office of former Mayor Rudolph Giuliani. The search warrants involve only one indication of an alleged incident of failure to register as a foreign agent. Mayor Giuliani has not only denied this allegation, but offered twice in the past two years through his attorney to demonstrate that it is entirely untrue. Twice the offer was rejected by the SDNY by stating that while they were willing to listen to anything Mr. Costello had to say, they would not tell Mr. Giuliani or Mr. Costello the subject matter they wanted him to address. This contrasts 
with multiple proven incidents of failure to file as a foreign agent contained on the Biden hard drive, which the FBI and the Department of Justice has ignored. You have not seen the home of Hunter Biden raided by the FBI with search warrants. This behavior of the Justice Department, enabled by a compliant media running roughshod over the constitutional rights of anyone involved in or legally defending former President Donald J. Trump is becoming the rule rather than the exception. It is also a clear example of a corrupt double standard. One for high-level Democrats whose blatant crimes are ignored, such as Hillary Clinton, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and Republicans who are prominent supporters and defenders of President Trump, who are subjected to false charges and procedures used in the past, if at all, in cases involving terrorists and organized criminals. The electronics taken are also replete with the material covered by the attorney-client privilege and other constitutional privileges. The warrant served on Mr. Giuliani's law office is another disturbing example of complete disregard for the attorney-client privilege protected by the Sixth Amendment in the Constitution. Remember the newspaper reports that explained that twice before, the SDNY went to Maine Justice to seek permission to obtain a search warrant for Mr. Giuliani's electronic devices, and twice before, the request was rejected. What changed? a new administration, a new attorney general. Were they ever informed of Mr. Costello's offer? Was the judge who signed the search warrant ever informed of Mr. Costello's offer? We think not. Twice, Mr. Giuliani's counsel offered to sit with the SDNY and demonstrate that Mr. Giuliani's conduct was lawful. It is outrageous that the Trump derangement syndrome has gone so far that hatred has driven this unjustified and unethical attack on the United States attorney and mayor who did more to reduce crime than virtually any other in American history. Mr. Giuliani respects the law, and he can demonstrate that his conduct as a lawyer and a citizen was absolutely legal and ethical. Of course, I'm sure you will not be surprised that the FBI left behind the only electronics that contain evidence of crimes, the Hunter Biden hard drives. Mr. Giuliani offered them on several occasions, but the agents steadfastly declined. Keep in mind that the agents could not read the physical hard drives without plugging them in, but they took Mr. Giuliani's word that the hard drives were copies of Hunter Biden's hard drive and did not contain anything pertaining to Mr. Giuliani. Think about what that tells you. Their reliance on Mr. Giuliani's credibility tells you everything you need to know about this case. And that, at the end, is a great point. Like, if you were FBI agents sent in to get someone's electronics, and then that person who you believe might have committed a crime, and that's why you're there in the first place, you're just going to believe that person when they tell you, oh, yeah, those are Hunter Biden's hard drives. You don't have to worry about them. Maybe Mayor Giuliani should have just called everything in his apartment a Hunter Biden hard drive, and they wouldn't have taken anything. Does this sound like a responsible FBI carrying out their duties responsibly? Of course not. And the FBI is not that. And especially not the FBI under Merrick Garland. This is the exact sort of thing that usurper regimes, that dictators do in banana republics. They use the military and the law enforcement system to enact their political goals and to attack political opponents. That's all this is. And it's obviously that every American should be upset by this. But of course, the communists, they just think that they're going to finally get Rudy. And so it doesn't really matter what happens to the system of justice. And if you need that point hammered home a little harder, 
A report from the Minnesota Star Tribune came out yesterday saying that the Department of Justice was ready to go arrest Derek Chauvin if he was acquitted. From the article, if Chauvin were found not guilty on all counts or the case ended in a mistrial, they would arrest him at the courthouse, according to sources familiar with the planning discussions, the report states. Now, with Chauvin's state trial out of the way, federal prosecutors are moving forward with their case. They plan to ask a grand jury to indict Chauvin and three other ex-officers involved in George Floyd's killing on charges of civil rights violations. That is the Department of Justice now. Derek Chauvin was subjected to a jury trial. And Joe Biden's Department of Justice was not going to accept the results of that trial if they didn't get the result they wanted. What else do you need to know? And the commies think that all of this is justified because they believe that they're on the moral side of everything. They can just say anytime that the ends justify the means because they don't think it's ever going to come back to them. They think they're going to be just fine. Eventually, they will find out they're wrong. And they had better hope that everyone on our side actually believes in the rule of law and cares that people aren't wrongly prosecuted and aren't harassed by the Department of Justice. Because there are a whole lot of American citizens right now with a whole lot of compromising shit on their computers colluding with the government, social media companies colluding with the government, celebrities taking payoffs to act a certain way. Are they going to be happy if the Department of Justice comes after them for all of their anti-American conspiracies? I doubt it. And now finally, because a lot of how today feels so far is like one of those not so good days where it seems like the enemy is winning or has won. And there have been a lot of those over the months, guys. Let's all be realistic. I've talked about it on the show countless times. There are going to be good days. There are going to be bad days. Right now, to this point in the afternoon, we don't have much good news from today. But overall, the news is still great, first of all. And all of the bad news they're throwing our way is just going to turn into good news later because they are corrupt. They are lying. They are wrong. And everyone sees it. And besides that, people really do have all this information. Okay. These people are not just getting away with all of this, but nonetheless, here's a happy story to follow up on something else. I said the other day, it might even have been yesterday. I mentioned how, New Hampshire had selected someone who was obviously corrupt or compromised to lead their audit. Turns out the circulation of information that we're all a part of got back to people in New Hampshire who can make a difference. And so selectman Bruce Breton, I want to say, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, B-R-E-T-O-N, in Wyndham, New Hampshire, put out this statement. 
In light of the verified voting letter that went viral yesterday, I believe it is appropriate for the Wyndham Board of Selectmen to make a motion of reconsideration regarding the selection of Mark Lindemann as the town's designee for the pending forensic audit of the town's voting machines and cast ballots from the November election as defined in SB 43. At this point in time, it is clear that Mr. Lindemann has a conflict of interest representing Wyndham's and New Hampshire citizens as a forensic auditor. He's a signatory of the letter that was sent to Arizona Senate President Karen Fan, expressing opposition to the election audit that is currently taking place in Arizona, where 2.1 million ballots are being inspected. Mr. Lindemann signed the letter as a representative of verified voting. I believe my colleagues on the board have made a mistake and must have an opportunity to correct it immediately. Time is of the essence as SB 43 mandates the forensic audit be completed within 45 days of the passage of the bill. It is with these serious set of circumstances in mind that I am compelled to respectfully request that my fellow board members reconsider their vote for Mark Lindemann at our next meeting, May 3rd. Due to the level of public interest, I believe that meeting should be held at the Wyndham High School in order to have ample space for Wyndham residents who wish to voice their concerns that we as a body have an obligation to represent. Selectman Bruce R. Breton. Wyndham, New Hampshire. And then another selectman jumped on board, a man named Chris Ager or Ager. And he said, I fully support selectman Breton's concern over the selection of a certain auditor of the Wyndham election. Instead of bringing closure, this auditor raises more questions and further erodes confidence in the system. Please join me and Mr. Breton in calling for an alternate auditor that can restore confidence in the audit. Chris Ager RNC committee men, election integrity committee. Now that right there is a win. This auditor is not going to give a faithful audit. The priority would not be to find out if election fraud actually occurred. It would be to try to prove that it didn't while giving legitimacy to that lie. And the selectmen made it clear that the pressure from us spreading information is exactly what led to this decision being looked at again. This is how important it is to spread and share information. The citizens of Wyndham, New Hampshire, can't possibly know everything. They probably trust the people in their communities. They have busy lives. They're doing other things. People wouldn't know what's happening down the street unless there were people around to tell them. This stuff has to get in people's faces. And as soon as we do it, we get the results we want. That's why we have to keep doing it. Spread information as fast as you can. Anything relevant. Anything true. Go find my video of questions for Mr. Fauci on Rumble. Share that. Make people watch it. That's how this stuff builds and gets viral. Share the podcast. I mean, if you guys are still listening to me, you must be fans on some level of what I'm doing. Maybe you are haters and just doing this for some sort of masochistic thrill. But otherwise, share it. If my voice convinces you, if my voice convinces people close to you, it can convince other people. Push the information out. This is how it works. This is how we make change in the real world. I'm not just here for moral support. 
YouTube took that video down for a reason. The response is to make it louder. Not to be like, oh, we got defeated again. No. We have a totally parallel system of information set up to theirs. It's bigger. It's more powerful. It's smarter. And it's faster. Take advantage of it. Use it. That's the weapon. You're supposed to use it to the best of your ability. You're not supposed to just be like, oh, hey, nice weapon. And then be like, ah, we're defeated. Oh, if only someone would use that weapon. What? No one else is going to save you. Share the information. Teach people the truth. Get it out there. And then the action in the communities follows. That's how it works. That's how it's supposed to work. That's what this period is teaching us. If I cared about the attention all being directed back onto me, I would obviously act in a different way all the time. That's not what I care about. I put a lot of work into that Fauci video because I think it's relevant and I think it can wake people up. Maybe I'm wrong about that. And if you think I'm wrong about that, you think the video isn't good, don't share it. That's fine. But if you do think it's good and you're just like, oh, good job. I hope someone uses that. No, it's you. You're the person who's supposed to use it. So I'll get off my soapbox. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masked and lockdowns don't work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab 
at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!